You're listening to Preaching Source, a ministry of Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary's School of Preaching. I'm your host, Professor Barry McCarty. Our guest on Preaching Source today is one of my personal favorite young preachers in the Southern Baptist Convention. Jordan Easley serves as the senior pastor of Inglewood Baptist Church in Jackson, Tennessee, Jordan, welcome to Preaching Source. Thank you so much, Barry. It's great to be here, man. Well, you're on campus with us here at Southwestern for our text-driven preaching conference. Uh, Let me ask you, where did you first encounter the term text-driven preaching, and at what point in your ministry did you begin to preach text-driven exposition? Man, the the actual term is kind of new to me, text-driven preaching. I've always called it expository preaching. And so uh, I think at the end of the day, what it is, is saying the Word of God ought to be driving you. You shouldn't be driving the Word of God. And uh, I believe that every pastor ought to be preaching text-driven messages and really living their life according to the Word. And so, man, you know, I think it was early in my ministry um, that I saw that there are two different kinds of way of communicating. Uh, One of them is when you have something to say. The other one is when God has something to say. And so as a preacher that's called uh, by God to communicate His Word. I think, you know, it all goes back to the text. Second Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the Word and be ready in season and out of season. Well, you can't be ready to preach the Word of God unless you're in the Word of God. And so if I have something to say on Sunday morning, uh, my prayer is that when I stand before my people that what I'm saying is communicating His thoughts and not my own. Hmm. Uh, what are the benefits of that kind of exposition for the church? Well, I believe as you preach expository messages, it teaches your people how to study the Word of God. You know, I found in, even in the youth ministry world, the more I bounced around, the more my people were bouncing around. They'd come back and say, well, it's hard for me to study just one book or keep, you know, reading. It's boring. And then, you know, I, I looked in the mirror and I was like, maybe that's my fault. Maybe I'm bouncing around too much. Maybe I haven't taught them from the platform how to actually read the Word, how to study it, and how to kind of follow the narrative. And so I think as I've developed as a communicator, I've learned that really preaching a text-driven message or a series, you're doing more than teaching the Word of God. You're teaching people how to learn and read and study the Word of God as well. No, right now I'm in the middle. Well, I'm not in the middle. Praise God, I'm not in the middle. I'm on week 56 of preaching through the book of Acts. And let me just tell you, that's, a, that's been a journey unlike any other I've ever been on in my life. And brother, I'll just be honest, I'm ready to land that plane. But, you know, for 56 weeks, we haven't skipped a single word. And, you know, when your church goes on that kind of a journey, uh, you better believe they know the word and they know what the book of Acts is communicating. They know how the church began and why we're called to do what we're doing. And not only that, but it really helps you identify with Paul, you know, guys like Paul. And so, um, I just believe that when you preach the Word uh, and you stick with the stick with the story, that your people walk away better informed, but also better equipped to read and study it themselves without you. One of the things Dr. Patterson is famous for saying is that good preaching should help people read their Bibles better, and that's what I'm hearing from you there. Uh, Jordan, uh, as part of our conference, our preaching conference here, you're going to be leading a workshop on stepping into the role of the senior pastor, which is what you did. You were on staff uh, in youth ministry, a different role, and then stepped into the role of senior pastor. Uh, Give us an overview of, of your 
breakout session? Basically, I started with a room filled with people uh, and just saying, listen, we all have one thing in common, that ad- and that is we will experience or have experienced transition in ministry. Most of the time, God doesn't call us to one assignment and leave us there for 50 or 60 years. We will have the opportunity to transition and bounce around. And then I kind of shared a part of my story. You know, for about 15 years, I had the privilege of serving under some great pastors, uh, guys like Charles Stanley and Ed Young Sr. and Jack Graham and David Landreth. And these are men that really took me under their wing and taught me certain things that really are invaluable at the end of the day. But as I was transitioning into becoming the senior pastor at Inglewood, I thought, you know, I'm prepared for this. I'm ready for this. I've been around pastors my whole life. My dad's a pastor. Uh, But, you know, that transition's a little bit different when it's actually happening to you. And so this breakout session, you know, I was asked to to lead a talk on transitioning into the senior pastor role and just some practical things that you can expect along the way, things that are a part of that journey that maybe you've never, never been told before or prepared for in the past. And so... Uh, it, it's a great conversation that I think we should have a lot more often. Now, in your breakout session, you uh, uh, said that a new pastor should have a strategy for his first 100 days. T- talk to us a little bit about that. Well, you know, the first 100 days are important no matter what you're doing. And we talk about that in transition. If you're going into a new role, especially a shepherding role over people, you know, if I'm the shepherd of God's flock, then I need to, I need to really look at that first season, those first 100 days, with a very intentional eye. So I, say a f- I said a few things about, you know, in your first 100 days, you need to focus on relationships. In fact, I said it three times, relationships, 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 not just with your staff, but with the lay people in the church, leaders in the church, leaders in the community. You need to, you need to familiarize your, yourself with the people that God has called you to shepherd. Secondly, I just said get a little bit personal. You know, find out who the staff members and deacons are that you're going to be leading alongside. You know, before I came to Inglewood, I sent a document to all kinds of people on my staff before they even knew me. This is after the vote, but prior to my first day in office, if you will. And I sent a document with about 10 questions. I said, tell me about you. Tell me your story, your testimony, how you came to know the Lord. Tell me about your kids, your spouse. Tell me some things you love about your job, things you hate about your job, some things you want to do that are outside the realm of your job, and attach a picture. And every one of them uh, gave me that document, allowed me to get to know them, so that day one I kind of had a head start. Next, I talked about, you know, prayer and listening sessions with your people. I think in your first 100 days, the best thing you can do is to connect with your people and give them some of your time and attention. So I said, man, have some people in your church host listening sessions and prayer times where you can learn about them and learn about the church. They can learn about you, and, and you can get to know each other. And so having those sessions. Also said, you know, assess your resources. You know, check out your building and grounds and your website and your social media presence and your stationery and your logo and your marketing stuff. I said, assess it all, but don't change any of it. You know, the first 100 days, it's a time to start making notes. But I told them from experience, you may not want to start changing things right away. Uh, so, you know, I also talked about obtaining uh, staff goals and celebrating victories and rewarding your staff that really led through the time of transition as well, and just looking for easy wins along the way to set yourself up for success. So a lot of it is just taking those first 100 days and being intentional, setting yourself up for the long run. Mm-hmm. Jordan, what's the greatest challenge to a young preacher who's making that transition into the role of senior pastor? Man, I would say a lot of it is just understanding that your expectations of the job are probably wrong. Uh, You know, a lot of young guys going into a senior pastor role for the first time, they love preaching, they love the stage, and they think, man, if I can just win on Sundays, that's about all I've got to do. 
and and man, I I even thought that to some extent. You know, I'd never been behind the curtain and really seen what the senior pastor is doing Monday through Friday and Saturday night, and um, and so I thought that preaching would be a lot more of uh, of the job. But at the end of the day, you know, preaching is it's just a a part of the job, right? You have things like pastoral care and leading a team and all the meetings and evangelism appointments, associational responsibilities and sermon preparation, not to mention like building and grounds and the different things that come administratively with the position. Leading a, and shepherding a team and a church is hard. And, and, you know, a lot of times we'll say, well, since preaching is only 10% of the job or 20% of the job, it should only get 20% of my time and attention but that's when I said you got to hit the timeout button and realize that the most important thing you're doing is opening up the Word of God, and we have to win on Sundays. Great pastors prioritize what happens in the pulpit, right? It goes back to 2 Timothy 4.2. You've got to be ready to preach the Word of God in all seasons, even when it's busy. And so, you know, some of it says, you know, uh, preaching is going to be my job, then realizing that's not the full job, and then understanding that you're primarily going to be evaluated by your people by what happens on Sunday. And so we've got to be ready to deliver the goods and not just to rely on our personality or rely on our experience, but really committing to being fresh and in the Word ourselves and delivering what God wants us to deliver to our people. And so that, that's kind of it, man. I think that's one of the biggest challenges for a young guy is realizing that the job is much bigger than just getting on stage and preaching. There's a whole lot more to it. All right, those are the challenges. What, what's the greatest joy of stepping into that role of senior pastor? Man, the greatest joy is just seeing God work in ways that you can't work. I realized a long time ago that if, if my vision that I'm presenting to the church, my goal for the church is something that I can do in my own power, then my vision is way too small, and I'm not relying on God like I want. So a long time ago, I just decided that, you know what, if God says we're going to go for it, we're going to go for it, even if I look like a fool in the meantime, right? So we're going for it at Inglewood, and we're doing things and presenting things to our church that we don't have the, we don't have the resources to do, we don't have the, the experience or the background to do, we don't have the people to do, but we're going for it because we know it's a vision from the Lord, and our people are getting on board. And just the greatest reward in my role today is just to sit back and realize that Jesus is the senior pastor and I'm not, and He is doing what only He can do. And, and I'm almost like a spectator at, our, at my own church, uh, because at the end of the day, what we're experiencing is a God thing. It's not a Jordan thing. It's not an Inglewood thing. It's a God thing. How does a, a preacher lead from the pulpit? I think you lead by example, um, like, like we talked about, you know, having text-driven text -driven, uh, sermons or series. I think you're leading by example, teaching people how to read the Bible. I also think you lead by example in the stories you tell, the illustrations you use. How can you expect your people to be personal evangelists if you're never telling a story about leading someone to the Lord? You know what I mean? And so when you are preaching and leading from the platform, you're showing them what it looks like to be a man of God. You're telling them how to study their Bible. You're prioritizing the things that God's called us to prioritize in the way that you're presenting the truth to your people. And so I would say, first and foremost, you're leading by example. Uh, God's giving you that platform. You know, some, some guys preach for 20 minutes. Some guys preach for 20 minutes too long. But at the end of the day, he's given us that platform and opportunity to shepherd people. You know, sometimes I think we... we we kind of separate shepherd and preacher. I believe when we preach, we have the opportunity to shepherd. We get the opportunity to wrangle people that need to be wrangled, to push people that need to be pushed, to pull some people back that need to be pulled back. 
And so taking an opportunity to lead by example and to point people to Jesus is, is number one for me. Uh, we've all heard uh, preachers that you really had to work to, uh, to listen to, but then there are those men that you just can't help but listen to. What, what are the qualities that mark that, that preacher that, that people are just drawn to, to the Word as, as he preaches it? What, what's that must-to preacher? What's he like? I think a must-listen-to kind of guy is someone that is prepared, first and foremost. You can tell when somebody's prepared and when somebody's shooting from the hip. I love it when I know that somebody has been in the Word all week, and they're they're letting me in on their conversation that's continuing with the Lord. And so I want to be prepared when I stand up uh, on a platform, because it's a great responsibility uh, to preach the Word. And so a guy who's prepared, first and foremost, and second of all, I would say a guy who's relatable somebody I can relate to, you know, somebody who they're not on a platform because they're better than me. They're on a platform because the lighting is better up there. You know what I mean? It's not a guy that is looking down on me or speaking down to me, but a guy who relates from the trenches and said, listen, we're all messed up. We have a long way to go. And here's what the word of God has to say to us, not you. And so if you're prepared and you're relatable, I got to listen. I want to hear what you have to say. You know, a lot of guys rely on just natural giftedness and people will say, well, if you have if you're articulate or if you're very educated or if you're very relatable or personal or personable on that stage, then it's going to be a benefit to you. Listen, I, I would rather listen to a guy with a dry sense of humor, with very little personality. If I know that he's prepared, he's coming straight from the word of God and he's on my level speaking a language that I understand. Jordan, you have a real passion for evangelism and seeing people come to Christ. And in fact, you're one of the uh, members of the SBC Evangelism Task Force appointed by Steve Gaines that's been working all this year to report to our convention in in the summer. how, How can a preacher keep the gospel front and center in his preaching. Man, without the gospel, we don't even have anything to preach about. That's what. It, that's why this conversation is confusing to me in the first place. I don't understand how evangelism could be anywhere else other than the f- forefront of everything we do. I'm one of the guys in the camp that says you haven't preached the gospel unless you've explained the gospel, unpacked the gospel, given somebody a chance to respond to the gospel. I just I think it's unfair to do it any other way. For just my opinion, I think it's I think it's cruel to tell somebody about Jesus and never give them a chance to get to know Jesus or to respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I I just I'm I am passionate about seeing people come to know Christ. And I am passionate about making disciples that make disciples. But man, when I go back to the early church, I can't find a disciple, one single disciple, uh, who followed Jesus and knew Jesus and didn't reproduce themselves. They all shared Jesus. And if you know Jesus like I know him, if you love Jesus like I love him, you can't help but share Jesus with other people. And if that's you when you're not on the platform, then that needs to be you on the platform. And when people see a passionate person that loves Jesus but also is hungry to see souls saved by Christ— I believe that is something that is contagious, and, and we've seen that. You know, I'm passionate about it, but I'll say our church is passionate about it. You know, baptism used to be a time where it was reverent and everybody would stand very quietly and watch a person be dunked. Man, we have people cheering right now because they're celebrating new life in Christ. That's something to cheer about and be excited about, and I think it goes a long way. If the pastor wants to see people come to know Jesus and they're passionate about that, I just think the church catches whatever the pastor's got. Jordan, uh, describe your sp- sermon preparation process for us? How, how do you put together a sermon? Man, I used to get away all by myself and have like a preaching 
teaching uh, preparation retreat all by myself. Now I still do that retreat, but I, I involve other guys in the process. I've got two other guys that preach to campuses at our church, and I also include our youth pastors and interns that have any kind of teaching role. We use that as a mentorship time. And what we'll do is we'll get away for about three days, and we will pray together. Uh, we will seek the Lord's direction together, and then we will map out the next 12 to 18 months. And so I actually have that retreat going on this Thursday and Friday. So we're looking forward to our time in the mountains of East Tennessee. And we've got a cabin, and we're already prayed up. We're already planning. We're already thinking and expecting the Lord for guidance. But what we'll do is we'll get together and, and really determine, uh, according to what we're hearing from the Lord, what the next 12 to 18 months look like. And then we'll break down what the, what's happening in student ministries and children's ministries. And we'll make sure that those things complement one another and align and, and they don't combat each other, they don't preempt one another. Uh, and, and I just believe that when you do that, when you prepare, I think you're going to be, you're going to have a better plan along the way, and I, I ultimately think it's going to affect what happens on Sunday morning. So right now, I'll tell you, you know, in, in November, we're doing a, a, a two-week series on Thanksgiving, where we take a text, we break it down over two weeks, and we break it down. It's going to be called Very, Very Thankful, all right? And so I, because I know I'm preaching that series right now, and because I'm already planning for what's going to be taught on those Sundays, I can start filing things away right now that the Lord puts in my path. I could be at the text-driven preaching conference and hear a nugget from this individual or this person, and I'll put that in my phone or I'll file that away so that during that Sunday's preparation, I open the file and I've already got some nuggets there that the Lord's put in my path along the journey. And so I, I try to encourage guys, don't be the Sunday-to-Sunday -Sunday guy. There's nothing more stressful in the world then preaching a sermon and going home and having lunch and then looking at yourself in the mirror and saying, oh my goodness, Sunday is here in six and a half more days, right? That is stressful. Uh, and so prepare what, you know, where you're headed. I, I just feel like the greater that we prepare, uh, the greater we prepare, the more, more prepared we're going to be when it comes time to deliver the goods on Sunday. Our guest on Preaching Source today has been Jordan Easley, Senior Pastor of Inglewood Baptist Church in Jackson, Tennessee. Jordan, thanks so much for being with us. Absolutely. My pleasure, Barry.